Celebrate and be glad, for this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, the Word of God certainly has a way of keeping you honest, uh, but probably especially so when your family is with you and you're preaching. Uh, my family is visiting from Baltimore, and so it's great to have them there. I'd love for you all to get to know them, meet them after the service. It's especially uh, <laughs> um, transparent, I guess, when you're reading a story of the prodigal son and your family is with you who knows your whole entire history. Um, and so this has been a very uh, formative week as I have just uh, nosedive right into this parable that Jesus has for us today. And if Jesus told this parable today, I think it might sound a little bit like this. Once upon a time, there was a senior in a local private Christian high school getting ready to go to college. As graduation day approached, his 18th birthday approached sooner. And before he walked across the stage, he first walked up to his father and said, Father, I'm 18 years old now. And I've decided that I'm not going to be graduating, and I'm not going to be going to college. Give me all the money that you and mom, grandma and grandpa, and aunts and uncles have saved for me these past 20 years. Give me all that money. Give me the $60,000 that you had saved for me to go to college. And the father gave him the $60,000 that he and his wife and his grandparents and the godparents and the aunts and uncles have saved up for 20 plus years. Gave it to him. With that money, this son flew to Amsterdam and squandered it all in drinking, drugs, gambling, and prostitutes. And boy, did that money go quick. He soon found himself out of money. And without a work visa, he couldn't work. What was he going to do? He was starving. He was sleeping in the streets. And as he woke up one morning under a building awning, he heard the sound of a garbage truck go by. And he yelled out to the garbage truck driver, said, hey, can I help you out? Can you pay me a little money just to work here with you as sort of a garbage truck attendant? And he said, sure. But they barely paid him anything at all. And things got so desperate, and he was so hungry, that one day, as his stomach was growling, he looked in the garbage truck and saw a blackened, half-eaten banana. And he was so hungry that he reached out his hand 
As the flies flew away, he took it and brought it to his lips. And just before he bit into it, he came to his senses. And he said, What am I doing here? The dogs in our family eat better with the scraps that fall off our dinner table than I am eating here. I will return to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against God and you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please, just treat me as one of your dogs. And as he swayed back and forth on the cargo ship that he snuck on, he recited this apology over and over and over again. And when he finally got to his neighborhood, while he was still a couple of blocks away, his dad was outside washing the car as he does, and he saw his son, and he knew immediately this was his lost son. His heart leapt up into his throat and his eyes started crying tears of compassion and he dropped everything and sprinted and embraced his son, kissed him, held him close to his chest. But his son pushed him away. And he fell on his knees and started reciting his apology. Father, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father cut him off and he turned around and he said, honey, guess who's home? Our son. Call the caterer, call the band, call the tent making company or whatever, the rental company. Uh, Call the caterers. Let's get the family and the friends together because we're having a party. We're celebrating. Because this son of ours who was lost is now found. Who was dead is now alive. Later on in the evening, the older brother drove home from his job and had to park his car across the street because there were so many people at his house. He got out of his car and he heard the music. He saw the tent. He smelled the barbecue and asked a family friend walking into their home, what is going on? And the family friend replied, haven't you heard? Your younger son has come home, your younger brother has come home, safe and sound, and your father threw this big party to celebrate. No sooner did those words hit his ears did his heart burn with rage. He stayed outside, leaning against his car. Finally, his father came out to him and said, What are you doing out here? Come in, join the party. And the older son let him have it. How do you go off letting this son of yours come back in here under this house, under this roof, after he squandered all that money 
and drinking and drugs and prostitutes in some foreign country. Well, I, I have been here. I went to school. I got my degree. I've got the good fiancé. I'm even helping support you now. And yet you've never thrown a party for me. And his father replied, Son, your mother and I are so proud of you. We've always been proud of you. But it was fitting that we celebrate. We had to. Because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now is found. This modern adaptation of the story of the prodigal son that we heard as a gospel passage today was first told by Jesus to a group of sinners, tax collectors and sinners alike, as well as Pharisees. Those good church people, the people that were even leaders in the church. Now the sinners were the people that you'd least expect in church. The Pharisees, again, the most people you'd expect in church or synagogue back then. And yet through this parable, Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, the ones who were most likely to be in church, that you were actually removing yourself from the body of believers. And he is saying to the sinners, the least likely to be amongst the body of believers, that you have actually come near. The difference between the two is what this text is all about. Maybe today you've come here on one of the spectrums of the sort of younger brother and older brother. You land somewhere in between the two. And maybe today you've come here more on the spectrum of the younger brother. Maybe you're living your life on your terms, sort of I'ma do me thing, right? Your rules, your schedule, your three to five year plan, or no plan at all, just partying. Uh, it might not look like Vegas or Amsterdam, but it's been just as lonely. In a quest to find yourself, you've lost yourself. And like the younger son, you've somehow awakened to this foreign place, far from home. You've looked within, seeking spirituality, trying to do some behavior modification, maybe even some self-help books, meditation, whatever it may be. And you've looked without, trying to make more friends, new friends, new boyfriend, new girlfriend, new job. But essentially, you've tried to make a home around you, but it's just not working. You can't, you're stuck, 
and you're spent. And if we're brutally honest and we find ourselves here today like the younger son, we find ourselves ashamed. Ashamed of whom we become. Maybe you've come here today more like the older brother, more along the older brother uh, spectrum, ashamed of what others have become, ashamed of your family members, ashamed of your coworkers, ashamed of your community, your city, your nation, ashamed of your church. Maybe you find yourself shaking your head a lot like this, physically or emotionally, in frustration and resentment because of others and their stupidity. On the flip side, you're quite proud of your accomplishments and the good life you've carved out for yourself. You've done the right thing. Life is good. Or at least it should be, but it really isn't. Life is one big frustration. Everywhere you turn, everything is wrong. You never get the credit that you deserve. And even though those glimmers of happiness, you're just sort of waiting for the shoe to drop next. That's how life feels. The worst part is, though, despite the fact that everything has gone well and you've done everything right, there's just a gnawing feeling that there's no joy there. And you kind of get mad when others are experiencing joy. Life is good, but joy seems absolutely lost. Personally, myself this week, I have found myself on the older brother side of the spectrum. And Jesus doesn't want us to be on the spectrum at all. And that's why he tells this parable to both the sinners and the Pharisees. And what he does is he targets the very thing which is causing both the younger son syndrome as well as the older brother syndrome. The sinner tax collector type syndrome as well as the Pharisee syndrome. And whatever we find ourselves on that spectrum as well. He's targeting their understanding of God. As A.W. Tozer says, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And these people had jacked up conceptions of God. And it's led them to these miserable states. They both viewed God as a cosmic boss, and they were just sort of his employee. Like a boss, if you did good, you should get rewarded, right? Bonuses, raises. But if you mess up, you get fired, right? Never to return again. You're out. The younger son viewed God as a boss to rebel against, the older, a boss to bargain with. But Jesus teaches the Pharisees and the sinners and us today that unlike a cosmic boss, God, the epitome of power and majesty, interacts with us as a father, as a loving, kind father. A kind and loving father that goes out of his way to 
his wayward sons. He runs to the son. He goes out of the party and meets the older son where he is on the outside. A father that cuts off an apology just to start the party. A father that tries to coax a self-rejecting older son to come in. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't call the, older, the younger son after he just got showered down to the dinner table and say, all right, son, now let's work out a 23-year fixed APR payment plan for that $60,000 that you've had to... No, he, he just throws this huge party for him, right? And he doesn't point out to the older son, well, you know, I know you said you've done a lot of great work around here, but there was that low-yield year, and it's kind of on you. You didn't get your team working hard enough. No. He just expressed utter jubilation and joy and celebration when his sinful son returns after repenting. And the parable comes in a series of three parables here in Luke, where this is the whole theme. Just three times, Jesus is essentially communicating the Father absolutely, joyously celebrates when any sinner repents. There is a party in heaven when anybody turns back to God. I had a uh, wise pastor come to one of my seminary classes, and he told us all, prospective pastors, that your church will know what you value by what you celebrate. Your church will know what you value by what you celebrate. Same true with your professions. As you raise families, as you work uh, in your different sectors, what you celebrate is what you value. What do we learn about our Heavenly Father with His celebration from this passage today? He values His kids. He values His children. He values those who turn back to Him. So much so that he sent. So the father sends his son. The son of God. Who was always relishing in the love of the father from eternity past, right? And he sent his son. Who came to earth to, as we heard in 2 Corinthians, take on the lust-filled, hedonistic, pleasure-seeking rebel sinner, as well as the self-rejecting, self-righteous, condescending, complaining, resentful party pooper. He takes all of their sin and nails it to the cross forever, never to be counted against anybody that believes in Him as the Lord and Savior. All that we might come back to our Father, as the text says, safe and sound. Alive to the Father as His sons and daughters, greeted with a festal shout. All this to show the world that God is not this cosmic boss to rebel against or bargain with, but a loving Father to abide in in honor with our whole entire lives. 
as it says in John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Our Heavenly Father joyfully welcomes any sinner that repents. Our Heavenly Father joyfully welcomes any sinner that repents. Our Heavenly Father joyfully welcomes any, any, any sinner that would repent. And that's the big difference between Christianity and every other worldview out there. Take your pick. Line them all up, and Christianity is distinct in this, as the pastor says. We live not to gain our Father's acceptance, but because we already have it in Christ Jesus. Henry Nouwen wrote a book, Return of the Prodigal Son. Uh, and he wrote it contemplating on this passage, but also on the painting that Rembrandt did, which is actually right outside our, our door here. Um, and Henry Nouwen says about his own title, Return of the Prodigal Son, Instead of being called the return of the prodigal son, it could easily be called the welcome by the compassionate father. As he was meditating on Rembrandt and this passage, uh, he plunges the depths of what a parable does as well. He says this, unlike a fairy tale, the parable provides no happy ending. Instead, it leaves us face to face with one of life's hardest spiritual choices. To trust or not to trust in God's all-forgiving love. And I love that that is the picture that is hanging right outside our door before what? You come into the sanctuary. This reminder to trust or not to trust in God's all-forgiving love. And that's the story we, we reenact here. This love story of God sending his son to shed his blood to bring us back that we might feast with him here at the table together and with all saints. And if you look at that painting by Rembrandt, you'll see uh, it's one of his masterpieces done at the end of his life. And he sort of collapses the whole story into one scene. But the thing you should pay attention to is a light. Where, is, where does Rembrandt put the light? Of course, Rembrandt puts the light on the younger son who's on his knees being embraced by the father and his hands predominantly right there. But there's also a little light on the older son. Our Father joyfully welcomes any sinner who repents. Would you pray with me?